Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Radio Drama Revival is brought to you in part by The Cleansed, a serialized apocalyptic podcast epic, now in its final season, season three, available now at thecleansed.com. Perhaps an appointment has opened up. Patch him in. Yes, sir. Kubrick! Kubrick, are you listening to me? Saul, so nice to hear your voice. That's thecleansed.com. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here, here, news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And here we are, mid-December 2015, and those of you plugged into podcasting scene probably are aware that season two of Serial is out. Um, Serial, of course, the landmark nonfiction podcast, but um, a serialized uh, mystery show basically that brought awareness of a podcasting to a whole new level uh, millions and millions of downloads all that good stuff and we've seen uh, since that a real milestone um, in awareness of podcasting um, uh, all sorts of parties wanting to get into podcasting suddenly it is cool uh, and some really interesting spinoffs um, you know, not necessarily directly related serial but the for example the message has been put out by GE Theater that's uh, kind of interesting to me because uh, one, it's a good show, and two, it's a real throwback to the old times of radio, where a brand is putting on a fiction show. So we'll see uh, how uh, all that sort of stuff pans out. There's also um, the Black Tape podcasts, um, and then my cur- current personal favorite with this sort of style of uh, sounding like an NPR story but being fictional, and that would be Limetown. Um, episode five just came out. Highly recommend that. Is it audio drama? We don't know, but it is a really compelling fiction storytelling. Um, those of us uh, who are in the scripted audio drama world, um, we've also seen huge new interest in our work. Um, as you can tell, um, Lock and Key that I produced for with my friends at Audio Comics for Audible, that show was in the works uh, prior to Serial being released, but um, obviously sort of a, a show that's indicative of the real growing interest in uh, audio content. Um, of course, the BBC is no exception to this trend either. They're trying to figure out how to uh, you know, bring their work and transition into digital age, all that good stuff. And uh, that's kind of the context of what we're about to hear uh, this week. This is a new historical fiction epic called Twin Bay. It's penned by my good friend and audio producer, John Dryden. Um, he's previously been heard here on Radio Drum Revival with Servered Threads, Six Suspects, the Muslim by Chuzzlewitz and The Handmaid's Tale. You know, John's method of recording, another reason we get along great is that he does location recordings, as I do uh, journeys uh, recording audio throughout the world, India, Egypt, South America, South Africa, the United States 
States and all, of course, throughout the United, the UK. Um, so we chat with John after the show is over. We hear about how he got this uh, long-running saga commissioned by the BBC, who traditionally doesn't really record shows like this, doesn't release them uh, in weekly installments. These 10 episodes of Tumen Bay are being released on a weekly basis. They're also being available as free download podcasts, as well as being on the iPlayer for like six months, way, way longer than uh, typically ever occurs. So we talk to John about how that all came to be and sort of how he's hoping for a sort of long run to let the show sort of uh, get its legs and get out there. And so the show itself and why you should be excited about it. So uh, I know maybe historical drama doesn't sound so exciting, but it is awesome. Um, it's a fictitious city uh, called Tumimbe, hence the title. Um, it was it's modeled roughly on the Mamluk slave dynasty of Egypt, um, not ancient Egypt, but roughly the sort of medieval period in the thousands to 1200s-ish uh, time period, uh, long after all the pharaohs and ancient Egypt and pyramids and all that stuff. But in this time period, uh, Tumimbe is the center of this empire where um, the world's greatest artists, craft people, merchants, etc., mingle uh, sex, war, intrigue in this empire, and a new threat appears that threatens the existence of all this great stuff. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, if you wanted to make an analogy, maybe it's a little bit like Game of Thrones in the sense that uh, Game of Thrones is also based on a historical period, but uh, Tumen Bay is a bit more based on reality, less magical elements, but plenty of deadly politics and cunning characters who are eager to advance themselves. So um, I have the privilege of playing part one of Tumen Bay for you here today. We'll be talking to John Dryden afterwards. Uh, the rest of these shows uh, will be available through the BBC, and we'll links in the show notes to the episodes um future episodes uh so for no further ado let's listen to tumimbe you're listening to tuman bay an epic drama inspired by the mamluk slave dynasty of egypt on bbc radio 4 now the first episode in our epic saga set in the richest most powerful city on earth Tuman Bay. Something's going to happen. Is that so, my little frog? I had a dream. A dream? You hear that? What's that? Frogs had another dream. Hmm. Well, you can tell me all about it after you've had your breakfast. Don't go, Papa. And obey your mother. There are moments in life I call beginnings, when everything you've come to expect changes. You hardly ever recognize them until it's too late. And then there's nothing you can do about it. Observe a man, a man who loves his family. He leaves his home, 
leaves his wife and child and goes to the palace where he works. And he thinks he will do a day's work and then come home. The Sultan will receive you now. Lead the way. Gifts are usually handed to the servants to be presented later. What? It avoids any awkwardness. I presume that is a gift for the Sultan. You know who I am? Of course, it's just Then that. I will keep it with me. As you please. This way. This is the menagerie. An oryx calf was born two days ago. The Hall of Mirrors. The Sultan designed it himself. The Gold Room. We must wait here. Sit. When the time comes, the doors will open and I will announce your name. As you please. Only then step forward. There is a mark on the floor in front of the throne where you should stand. Don't worry, I will point to it when we are inside. How was your journey? Fine. I've never been to Amber Province. I hear it is very beautiful. My name is Basim, by the way, of the Palace Guard. I've been assigned to look after you. Basim. You've just been promoted. How did you know? You seem so fresh. This is a new opportunity for you, isn't it? You're what, uh, promoted from the ranks of the army? Yes. Well, it's a great honor to be so trusted. You know what's always interested me about Jimin Bay? Everyone scurries around looking over their shoulder all the time. Why is that? I don't know what you mean, sir. We are fortunate to serve under such a mighty and benevolent ruler. <laughs> of course. Ah, they are ready. Come. One more thing. Keep your head bowed at all times and only speak when you are spoken to. Effendi Red. Emissary of Maya. Good afternoon, Your Majesty. And greetings from my queen. Your queen? Indeed. Stand here, please. <laughs> Remember what I told you. I trust Your Majesty is in good health today. His Majesty would like an explanation. An explanation? The new governor sent by the Sultan, perhaps you will explain the humiliation he endured at Maya's hands. I have not come prepared to discuss any business that is... Well, I suggest that you get prepared, because that is what the Sultan wishes to discuss. And I suggest you choose your words very carefully. His Majesty is a patient man, but this... this outrage... Stripped naked! Paraded through the city with a bucket of manure on his head. This is my chosen representative. Yes, regarding that. That outrage. Incident. Yes. 
I have no specific details or message to convey from my queen, your majesty. But I think you can take it that Maya's message is implicit in the outrage, if you wish, itself. His Majesty would like to know what is the purpose of your visit. I've come to convey my Queen's detailed instructions. What are you talking about? Instructions for what? The surrender of the city. The procedure for handing over control of the palaces, the army, the law courts, all the arms of government. And of course, His Majesty will wish to know how best to prostrate himself in front of the Queen when he presents her with his sword. <laughs> and tell me, if I fail to obey your Queen's instructions, she will destroy you. <laughs> I will leave you to consult your... Go! Please, stay where you are until the Sultan has dismissed you. Your queen seems to be confused. How so? She is the mere wife of a dead provincial governor. She has no authority to rule there. The Sultan decides who governs his provinces. Over two years we have been sending messages and have had no replies. And now this. Yes, I understand your frustrations, but... I don't want your understanding. Tell your horbitch queen I'm going to send the governor of the eastern province to smash her. Ah, yes. Kasaba. Kadali, send orders out to him today. Yes, your majesty. And when he returns with her head on a spear... Your majesty, I... there's no need to send orders. Why don't you consult Kasaba on this right now? What? What are you talking about? Please, sir, no gifts here. No, it's okay. What are you doing? What sir, are you doing? Guards, take it. Yes, Your Excellency, leave the gift, sir. You need to come with me. He's here. I must insist. Who? The governor of the sir, eastern province. You must come with me. Kasaba! Why don't you put your heads together now? Now, is there anything else you would like me to convey to Maya? Tuman Bay, Episode 1, A Head Start, by John Dryden. There's a city far away. My parents often spoke of it as if it had always been there and always would be. I'd seen it in paintings, I read of it in stories. The richest, most powerful place on earth. The center of everything. It drew people from every corner of the empire and beyond, hungry for wealth and power, or in some cases more wealth and more power. They were dazzled by its brightness. And like moths drawn to a candle, many were burnt alive by its fire. Tuman Bay. A city I always wanted to visit, who didn't. But not under these circumstances. Are you going to talk to me? I am talking to you. 
Lucy? Oh, you know what I mean. You've been sullen ever since we left port. I don't want to go there. You don't want to see your father? Of course I do. You don't want to see the great palaces and places. I do. I, I want to experience everything that Tumambe has to offer, but not as someone else's wife. <sighs> not that again. I don't want to be married off to someone I've never even met. I did it. And you can too. I'm not you. I apologize, ladies, but it's better you go back to your cabin. Why? What's happening? It's better you go back. Nonsense. My husband is a merchant of slaves. I've seen it all before. Mm, please yourself. What do you think he did? Doesn't matter. An example to show the others. Does father do that to his slaves? Of course. It's the only way. He's not even flinching. Who? Oh. The slave. He's... It's as if he doesn't care. They don't feel pain like us. They are barbarians. Then what's the point of whipping him? Ah, excuse me. The ship from Serene, due into port today. Serene hasn't arrived. I know. I have a consignment of 30 slaves on board. I want to sort out the levy. It hasn't arrived yet. Yes, I know that. I want to get the paper stamped so that when it does arrive, I can be on my way. Well, you can't. Not since I get here. Well, there'll be a queue by then. Why can't I do it now? Because I need to see the slaves before I can stamp their papers. But that doesn't make... My wife and daughter are on the ship, too. I haven't seen them for eight months. I was hoping we might get this business out of the way before they arrive so that we could just... You... Never mind. Is there any news of the ship? Nothing yet. Try tomorrow or the day after. Thank you. What? Domestic, labor. No, 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 no. Thank you. Oh, I've got four boys from the Asir Mountains. Uh, quite rare. And uh, easygoing, loyal, good with children. No, but, but these two, the blue eyes, where are they from? You got family? Uh, yes, yes, I, I have. Children? A daughter. Mm, how old? Fourteen. Oh, bad. <laughs> I would not consider them if I were you. Why not? Difficult to handle. The, the male especially. Unpredictable. She has a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she can come with or without the baby. No problem. Do they... understand? Do they speak? <laughs> that... Uh, that you will have to take a chance on. I have not been able to get anything out of them. Well, give me a moment. Of course, of course. Take all the time you want. Just uh, don't get too close to the cage. If you need anything, call me. I'll just... Hey, you! What are you doing? You. You, come closer. Uh, you want to stay with your baby. I understand that. I have a child, too. You're something special, aren't you? 
You used to wear a ring on your left middle finger. You're educated. It's all right. I'm not going to tell. I just noticed these things. What about you? Are you related? Are you the father of the child? That's right. Come. You can talk to me. I warned you, huh? <laughs> oh, that slave. I might have to sell him to the fights if I can't tame him. Well, you want to try something else, huh? I think I can tame him. Huh? You're lucky to have been bought by me. I have contacts in the royal palace. You'll fetch a good price there because you're both educated. Education can get you anywhere in the world. That's why I'm here. You know, I know things. And you do too, I... So you'll probably be all right. I'm new here too, you know? Well, not as new as you. I don't know what purpose you think your silence will serve. In the end, you'll talk. I've been in this business long enough to know that. <laughs> but if silence is what you prefer, fine. We'll just... But if there's one thing I know, it's when a slave is not really a slave. So where are you from? What happened? You are educated. I can tell. Please, tell me you are. You know, the empire is ruled by slaves. Well, they came as slaves, and now they run the place. Everyone is a slave here. Well, I'm not. I'm a free man. You're lucky. Anywhere else, you would have been a slave forever. But here... If you have the right attitude, you can be anything, anything, even a sultan. I can see this is going to be a long... My baby. Huh? What about my baby? What is it, a boy, girl? Girl. Good, 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 good. Well, she can be a doll. A what? You know, the, the princesses, they, they need dolls to play with. She might end up a friend, a good friend, a confidant. But of course, she might, she might get broken, thrown away. Who knows, life is chance here. There's everything to gain, but nothing is certain. What does a sultan do when someone has just tossed the head of his most loyal provincial governor at his feet? Why don't you... Why don't you take this? It is your very own queen of the night. I don't want it. But, Your Majesty, it will, it will calm your nerves. I don't need to calm my nerves. I need the war council. Kadali? Kadali! Majesty, what's happening? Is everyone ready? Uh, I'll, I'll just check. Where is my nephew? I want him to attend, too. 
Yes? Your Majesty, mm. these are emeralds from Samara. Keep one in your pocket. It will emanate strength and wisdom. Ah, Madhu, where have you been? Sit here. Sit. Sit? You all right? Yeah. I want you by my side in the War Council. It will be a useful experience. You will learn how decisions are made. Sit up. You need to be attentive and focused. I... I had a dream, Uncle. What? <laughs> a snake entered my room through the open window. I tried to find something to shear it away, but everything I grasped hold of fell from my hands, just slipped out. So the snake came closer and entered my body and tried to come out of my left eye. Are you? Have you been? I, I don't. <coughs> Get him out of here. Doctor? Yes. Attend to him. Uh, of course, Your Majesty. <coughs> and clean it up. I suppose you've been up all night with your friends again. You're a total disgrace. If it wasn't for your mother. Your Majesty, the council is ready. I will deal with you later. Your nephew will not be joining us, Your Majesty. No. Who are these people? Well, the Sultan you've met already, and his nephew Madhu, son of the brother he murdered. I want to know how this happened. Your Majesty? And Kadali, the Grand Vizier, a self-serving bastard. Very good at his job. How could Kasaba have been defeated without our knowledge? It's your job to know these things. Ah, yes. But you see, Your Majesty, he wasn't defeated. What do you mean? He was killed in his own palace by someone close to him. His head was smuggled out before anyone even knew. A spy? Yes. One of Maya's. Rebellion in one province, if not dealt with swiftly, will spread like disease across the Empire. The War Council. We need to send a clear message. That's Kulan, the finest general in Tuman Bay. Oh, yes, and my brother, too. And a lot of other things. Any hesitation will be seen as weakness. It's the weak man who reacts at once, General Kulan. The strong man bides his time. This is a small provincial uprising, a province on the very edge of... Yes. What is it? Your Majesty, should we proceed with the punishment? No, no, not down there. Bring him up here. I want everyone to see it. Yes, Your Majesty. And get the doctor. I don't want him to die too easily. Yes, Your Yes? You were saying? Ah, we have nothing to fear from this self-appointed queen... Let us bide our time. Who said anything about fear? Majesty? I'm not afraid. Of course, I merely meant... I want this bitch's head on a pole so I can see it from my bedroom window. Yes. Yes what? Yes, I agree with everything you... Enough. Gregor. Majesty? And that's me. Gregor, master of the palace guard, intelligence chief. 
and a few other things too. You have nothing to say? I'm more an administrator than a general. Both General Kulan and His Excellency Kadali make convincing arguments. And which argument do you find most convincing? You never know with the Sultan which way he'll go. Everyone here chooses their words with the utmost care. Their lives depend on it. We need to punish her. At last, someone is talking sense. If I may just say, Your Majesty. No, you may not, Kadali. We need to send a new governor. Someone to sort it out and do what I want them to do. Gregor, you have brought whole kingdoms under our control. Oh, it seems such a long time ago, Majesty, and I cannot take the credit. I appoint you governor of Amber province. Take the elite army, whatever you need. Go there and restore order. Majesty, this is indeed a great honor. Good. Get the envoy up here. Let's start the entertainment. Yes, but... Yes? My responsibility is here. Keeping Tuman Bay safe. Keeping you safe, Your Majesty. And who let this envoy come into my presence with carrying... A severed head, yes. Who was it? Well, actually, my responsibility. But what's the point of being in charge if it's you that pays? Your Majesty, a young officer in the palace guard, recently promoted. I will be dealing with him personally. Such incidents are the reason I need to remain here. General Kulan, on the other hand, a great military leader... What are you up to, brother? Isn't this what you wanted, brother? To take on Maya in battle? Bring him. Up. You remember who I am. Where are we going? This way, Lord Red. Bring, bring him into the center. And here we go. Your Majesty, why am I being detained? I am a mere messenger. Of course. I know that. Your Majesty, I must go and make preparations for the task ahead. Sit, General Kulan. You will stay and watch. Yes, sit, brother. You might enjoy it. As you wish. You say you are a messenger. Well, I have a message I would like to send to your queen. Of course. Yes. So you agree? Agree? Yes. Give me any message you like. <laughs> he agrees. <laughs> Let's begin, then. You, you can't kill me. And why is that? The ovens. What oven? In, in the palace kitchens. Were they causing some trouble yesterday? What, was a dead rat found in them? What is he talking about? And last week, did the water in the fountain in front of the Aldar gate go red? Well, you have a good network. Oh, yes. Even in the privacy of your own bedchamber. 
I know, for instance, Your Majesty, that your first wife, Shahjar, she had a disturbed night. What was it? A dream that she was being attacked by mosquitoes. They were everywhere, all over the kingdom. Who are you? You need not fear Maya and her armies. This is a kingdom that will be destroyed from within. Shall we start, Majesty? Proceed. One moment. Did I forget to tell you? Your nephew, Madhu, isn't it? Was he feeling unwell this afternoon? What did he have for breakfast? Was it his usual dates brought daily from the orchards of the Zaglul Plains? Huh? Such a pity. How does he know these things, Katali? Majesty, it's a, it's a trick. He's... He hasn't got long, I'm afraid. There is a poison working in his blood now. He will die within two days. It's sad. Unless... Unless what? He has administered the antidote. What antidote? The one that will be found in the palace. Don't worry, it will be found. Once I have passed safely through the gates of dawn. Your Majesty. Your Majesty, the first wife requires your urgent attention. What? Your nephew. He's... He's unwell. The physician is with him. Majesty, if I could press you, time is of the essence. Release him. Escort him to the city gates. Go, go, go! Your Majesty, generals, lords, thank you for your indulgence. Gregor, find them, all of them. I want the spies rooted out. I want them lined up, all of them, in front of me and... and Majesty, please, why... Shut up, Gadali! Gregor, you understand me? It will be as you say, Majesty. Come. Come, through here. It's all right, I'm not going to touch your child. Look, you can sit. And not you. You stand there. I'm sorry about the mess. The builders are here. I'm preparing the house for my wife and daughter who are joining me. We are from El Sharba, in the west. You know it? So, what skills have you got? Well, you can fight, I can see that. What else? You will speak. You can ride, I assume. Why should I tell you? Ah, he speaks. Well, if you don't, I will beat you. I'm not going to ask you a second time. All right, Asim, take him to the cages. Yes, master. It's your husband? My brother. So who is the baby's father? Don't cry. It's just business. I'm a merchant. You're a merchant of people? Yes, that's what I do. I am a merchant. You are my commodity, a slave. You understand that? I understand that very well. 
look, 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 she's smiling. The baby, she's smiling at me. What's her name? It's all right, you don't have to. She reminds me of my daughter when she was small. May I? Please, no. I love babies. Please, no. No, of course. Sabira, take her down to the cells. You're such a fool, Eben. Never sample the merchandise. When will you ever learn? You will tell me, because if you don't, your death will be unpleasant. Sir, this is what I do. I find out what's going on in the palace. I ask questions. You are all going to die. Don't think that you're not. Oh, yes. And as you see, I have people executed. Some of you may be innocent of this. But you've got to go. You're already... Painted. So make no mistake, you're going to die. The question is, how? Got that? Does anyone have any questions? So, I want to know everyone whose hands were on the dates, please. From who brought them into the palace, who stoned them, who added the rose water? Who ground the herbs? Who carried them to the young prince's rooms? To all these questions, you will give me an answer. So, shall we start? You, what was your job? C cook, my lord. Were you present when the dates arrived? Gregor, what are you doing? You're wasting your time with this lot. <sighs> Sometimes I wish I could have her executed. The Sultan's chief wife. Shajar. Why are you not looking for the antidote? My lady, the emissary will be passing the gates of dawn any moment now. We must wait. Who can wait? My son is sick. He is dying. And you are just asking questions. My men are everywhere, and as soon as the antidote appears... And you appears, believe this so-called ambassador? His Majesty believes this man? Who am I to... You are a snake. I will have your head if my son dies. He has passed through the gates. So, where's the antidote? Where is the antidote? Your Majesty! Please, come quickly. Here, drink this, my prince. He's lost a lot of fluids. I don't understand how he can be... <coughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Extraordinary. What did you give him? Nothing. You must have. No, no. You were attending to him all this time. What did you administer? Nothing, I swear. Maybe the vomiting emptied his stomach of all the toxins. It is all right. The boy is recovering. Yes. How are you? What? Where am I? My lady? Yes. Bring food. A word? Yes. Who else has been with him, apart from the physician here? No one. Just me. Who's she? Her? That's my maid. 
No, no. She's been with me for ten years. Has she had access to... Not without my supervision. She brought the water when the physician asked her to... Oh. You think... My job is to ask questions. Do you know who I am? Master of the palace guard. Come with me. But my lady needs me. Go with him, Miriam. It will be all right. Go. Thank God he is better. Yes. This way. Sit down. This is where I spend much of my day, away from all the noise of the palace. <sighs> Peace. He can't hear a thing. It's like a tomb. And you know what's best of all? No. The knowledge that when I'm down here, no one ever disturbs me. Are you comfortable? Yes. Good. Now tell me who you work for. My lord, what are you... No questions. You leave that to me. Just answers. Who do you work for? What, Lady Shajar, of course. You seem nervous. Are you nervous? Uh, a little. Why would you be nervous? I don't know. I feel like I'm being accused of something terrible. If you're innocent, you have nothing to fear. Like the kitchen staff. Did they have nothing to fear? What are you doing? Stay seated. But, but my lord, I want to show you something. Don't touch me. Stay back. What's this? No. Oh, no, no. What is it? Flying death? Moon seed? Hemlock? They are among us. Who? First a few, and now many. Who do you belong to? One of them is inside you, too. She would wake inside your head. Who? The Queen. You might have seen her in your dreams. You think her armies are nothing, but this is an empire that will be destroyed from within. All you can do is save yourself. What do you mean? Find that thing which Maya desires. Take it to her. What does she desire? The heart of the empire. You need to be more specific. Tell me. I can make you tell me. Maya doesn't want the palaces or the empire. She wants what she can hold in her hands. Which is what? <laughs> if you tell me, I can help you. Oh, but how can I trust you? How can I trust you? <laughs> yes. How can you? Look. <laughs> You can make this difficult for yourself, or you can make it easy. I can make you talk. No. You can't. 
Hemlock. What? The answer to your question. Hemlock. For me, not you. No. <coughs> no! The mind remains sharp to the end. While the muscles die slowly. You will tell me what Maya wants. You don't need me to tell you. You're inquisitive. You're powerful. You can find it if you want to. Find what? If I don't know what I'm looking for, how can I find it? The, the time has come. No, no, wait, wait, you will tell me! could have handled that better. Yes? Excellency, uh, the officer of the palace guard you wanted to question has been apprehended. Where is he? Uh, in the cells. Good. I'll come shortly and... No, just execute him. Uh, but I... Yes? What is it? I thought you wanted to interrogate him. He has nothing of any use to me. He's nobody. Oh, the girl's dead. Dispose of her. <coughs> Sit here, Mother. The air will do you good. I didn't know her then, but I wish I could have disposed of this girl too because she was to be the cause of my, well, my fall. Captain! Captain! How much longer? If the wind keeps up, the morning. You see the tower on that headland? We call it the Mad Sultan. Why? They put a Sultan there once, bricked up all the doors and windows, there was just a hole to pass food in. They say he's still in there, and if you listen carefully, you can hear the screaming. Listen. Can you hear it? No. Well, when you hear the screams, you'll know we're in safe waters. I don't believe you. It's just the wind. <laughs> you seem to know a lot about Tuman Bay. Are you from there? No one is from Tuman Bay. Everyone has come from somewhere to be there. Why? Why what? Why does everyone want to go to Tumumbe? It sounds like a cruel place. That it is. But show me a place where that is not the case. Where we come from is not like that. Then why did you leave? Well, it wasn't up to me. My father thought it would be better for his business. You are going there to marry, I hear. My father needs me to marry a resident of Tuombe in order to license his business or something. And what business is that? Same as you, Captain. The sea? Slaves. <laughs> <laughs> Are you all right, madam? <coughs> yes. I will go and lie down. Heaven, come with me. 
Is everything all right? Look. What are you doing? It's all right. It's dead. <laughs> there are always rats on ships. There's blood oozing from his nose. How did it die? <laughs> Mother. I'm sorry. I just need to... Come, you need to lie down. Don't worry. Captain, send someone to clean up. Captain. What is it? You need to come down to the aft hold, Captain. Why? What's happened? What is it? Just come, please. It's nothing. Take care of your mother. Lie here, mother. Rest. Everything will be all right. You'll see. You'll see. In Tumen Bay, episode one, A Head Start by John Dryden, Gregor was played by Rufus Wright, the girl on the ship by Olivia Popica, her mother, Natalie Armin, the slave merchant, Nabil Elowahabi, Kadali, Matthew Marsh, Frog, Divya Mir, Basim, Alexander Siddig, Sarah, Nina Yindis, Envoy, Nadir Khan, Shajar, Sarah Beckmather, Madhu, Danny Ashok, Sultan Alguri, Raj Rawi, General Kulan, Christopher Fulford, the physician, Vivek Madan, and the maid by Law Stockley. Sound design was by Steve Bond. Music was by Sasha Putnam, and the editors were James Morgan, Anya Prashgoda, and John Owen. Tuman Bay is produced by Nadir Khan and Emma Hearn, and directed by John Dryden. It is a Gold Hawk production for BBC Radio 4. If you enjoyed this programme, you can listen to stories like this and more by searching for the word drama on the BBC iPlayer radio app. And that was Tumen Bay, produced by Goldhawk Productions for the BBC. And now uh, we speak with series creator John Dryden. Um, all right. Well, welcome to Radio Drama Revival. I'm here with the uh, inimitable John Dryden of Goldhawk Productions, a long list of excellent productions to his name, uh, most recently Tamam Bay, which is a 10-week serialized uh, epic historic drama um, set in a fictitious city, city um, in Egypt. And I'll let him talk a little bit more about it. But hey, John, welcome back to Radio Drama Revival. Thanks. Uh, so excited about this. You know, we've heard, I guess we, my first encounter with you is back in when we did Severed Threads in 2010. Even at that, even at that point, you had done, you know, quite a bit of radio drama work. Um, you've been, uh, all sorts of places. You've been, uh, to Brazil, you've been to India again. Um, I think you've, you've been to Egypt before. Um, it, just tell us a little bit about Tamambe though, because it's different than what you've done prior. It, certainly in terms of scope, it's, is it, would you call it the most ambitious, you know, uh, program you, you've worked on to date? I think it probably is, actually. Yeah, I've never worked on anything on this scale. And it's also, um, it's a historical epic saga, uh, which is something I haven't really done before. Um, it's largely an invented world. It's inspired by the Mamluk slave dynasty of Egypt. But it's, it's a sort of fictionalized version of that. Um, you know, so it's called Tumen Bay. Tumen Bay is the city that it's set in. Tumen Bay is the beating heart of this vast empire, um, it, the richest, most powerful city on earth, as Cairo was, 
you know, for, for, for a period between the sort of 13th and 16th century. It's very much based on Cairo. Um, and during that time, it was just it was just the greatest place to be. The best artists from all over the world came there because they could earn lots of money. The, the, the most innovative merchants, the most powerful people live there. Um, so it's based on this city. Um, and it's a sort of action, adventure, historical saga. So several people have already sort of made a Game of Thrones um, analogy based on it being long format and kind of, I guess, a bit about the historical drama format. Do you think that's at all accurate? Yeah, I mean, uh, it is. You know, it's, it's quite Game of Thrones-ish. You know, Game of Thrones is, is, is based partly on a sort of historical context. It's it's got a it's got all that kind of uh, you know murder and fast pacedness and sex and death and it's it's got a lot of twists and turns. Um, it it's it's certainly different from Game of Thrones. It hasn't got a kind of um, it hasn't got so much of a magical element. Um, it doesn't have dragons. Um, it it it's perhaps a more firmly historical setting. Um, but yeah, I'd say games are definitely an inspiration for this. And we'll we'll talk about. I'd love to talk about some of the you know production elements and what went into it. Um, but just a few more things for listeners. Uh, you we'll we'll have just heard um, the first episode here in Radio Dumb Revival. Um, I believe when this goes out, the second episode's already available. And then uh, this is being uh, broadcast, also podcast weekly. Do you just want to talk about how the BBC is is releasing it and how people can and listen to it? Yeah, it's being broadcast weekly on BBC Radio Four. Um, increasingly, their audience they're finding their audience online, so it's being podcast at the same time. And they're also trying this thing where um, the next week's program is available as soon as this week's program ends. Um, so this week's program gets broadcast on air, and you can download next week's program a week before it gets traditionally broadcast. Uh, you know, you can only do that online. So it's kind of a way of rewarding the audience. If they've liked an episode, they can get to hear the next one straight away. And I guess this is a direct response to the way we all consume long form dramas now. You know, we, we sometimes like to uh, stack them up, you know, and listen to them back to back. And so there is an opportunity to do that with Tumen Bay. And also uh, there's an opportunity to listen to previous episodes because they're all available on podcast and to download for several months to come free by the way and um i think what's great about that from the point of view of making a program like this is you're no longer faced with just one broadcast you know they listen to it people can listen to it once and that's it there's an opportunity to make it a little bit more layered to lay more clues in earlier episodes that people can come back to once they've got to the end and think ah that was there all the time the there's, uh, you know, I think audiences listen in a, a slightly different way, and so there's an opportunity to, to make these things much richer, much more layered. You know, I know on behalf of U.S. listeners, we've sort of griped for a while that the uh, the BBC model, where they have something on the iPlayer for like you know a, a week, maybe even just a few days, has been difficult to actually stay apprised with what's going on in 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 Britain. Yeah, well, now it's, it's going to be six months with Tumen Bay. Yeah, so that and and then and actually for download too, because not just uh, through the iPlayer, but actually as as that MP3 download as well. Yeah. yeah. So was that something that you had to convince them to do, or were they pretty much a little bit? I mean, they're they're much more open to this now. Um, 
you know, partly because of what's going on over there in the States, you know, with some of the really successful podcasts that you've had recently. You know, the BBC are trying new methods. And, and, and so rather than keeping the audience at arm's length, they're trying to build the audience, to pull them in, to reward them. And, and so um, they're being much more flexible about the way uh, these things are released. But we, we wanted it podcast. We had to ask them to do it because I think if you can actually download it rather than just stream it, uh, it it's, it's something you can you know, take with you on the train, on the car, where you don't necessarily have internet access. Uh, I think it's much more likely to build an audience. And we felt it being podcast was, was a crucial factor in you know, helping us to build an audience with this. Yeah, and, and I've heard this uh, from people within the industry who have access to statistics that um, you know, mobile listening obviously very, very high, and and uh, it, you know, it is devices. It's in the car. It's not a you know, people are not sitting in front of their desktop. Uh, really, very, very small percentage actually uh, absorbing content that way. Um, so you know, obviously, as a big institution, and of course, we still. A very important and significant broadcast audience. I mean, it's not like the BBC can just throw out, um, you know, the, the the radio listening audience, and that's still technically, I guess, their charter and where their funding comes from. So it's interesting to see them have to navigate these two worlds, you know, the traditional charter as well as this new digital age that's appeared, and kind of figure out who they are and, and what they're doing. Um, and, and I guess you'd say, you do feel like the, the BBC does see themselves as you know, a content provider, not necessarily a TV and radio programmer? Well, they see themselves as both, but certainly um, a content provider. And, you know, they're, they're, they're always looking for something different, you know. So I think that's partly why they commissioned this, you know, that it was something they hadn't really done before. Um, they Often when they do series, they tend to sort of blitz them and, and broadcast them all over, you know, a week or this is a 10-episode series. They... You know, they've done 10 episode series where they've had it every day for two weeks. And, and we felt we, we had to push quite hard for this, actually, that we wanted it to be weekly because it needed time for the audience to build. We, we really hope people will sort of talk about it and get hooked. And if it was every day, I think it, it would just be too quick. It would all be over before we knew it was even there. Yeah. And let's talk about that element a little bit. Uh, well, first off, so folks who aren't as familiar with the BBC, I guess the BBC must produce some of their own content, but a lot of it is um, with you as an independent who, uh, you know, basically proposes work to the BBC that they commission. Um, and so obviously you have a track record of doing that. How is it different to propose something that was not, you know, a three-part, 45-minute uh, you know, drama like you, many that you've done, but this ten-week, you know, epic saga. Um, how, how was that? You know, it's not like was there actually a? It's not like there's a slot in mind that you had for it, right? You had to, uh, you know, how did you approach that new idea? I, I guess it's something you build to. You know, we have done quite a lot, um, and we've done a lot of three-part series, um, and I guess we were looking for a challenge. You know, for the next challenge. And the commissioning editor at the BBC kind of understood that. We didn't want to just keep doing the same thing, really. So we were looking for something bigger. We were looking for something that an audience would fall behind. And, you know, so we proposed several ideas. And um, But this one always sort of seemed to be the one that would most likely kind of attract an audience. And, um, 
you know, I, 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 it sort of evolved, I guess, from having done all these three-parters. Well, and so tell us about the story itself. Was this a story, like how long has this concept been germinating? It's been germinating uh, for a few years. I've done, I have, as you mentioned at the beginning, worked in Cairo and I've done projects there. And I've read a lot about the Mamluks, which is a sort of era um, that isn't much known about. You know, people know about the pharaohs and the pyramids and stuff like that. But um, the Mamluks were were slaves that were brought to Egypt, you know, from the Caucasus, and they took over. They were very successful, and for three hundred years, uh, they were a, a ruling dynasty. It wasn't hereditary. It was whoever, uh, you know, was the most powerful or, or or the most efficient became the sultan, and it, it was um, it was an incredibly successful period where they drove off the Mongol hordes from the east and they saved the Middle East from the Christian crusaders as well. Um, and most of what happens in Tumen Bay in our drama um, sort of happened at some point during that kind of 200, two or 300 year period history of the, the slave dynasty of the Mamluks. It's partly made up, the, the world we've created, but most of the characters and most of the events happened in some form or another yeah it may be lowercase t true but <laughs> not, uh... and, and the, the story just to finish on that this it, it concerns um the end of the empire you know they've become they've been so successful they've become a little bit decadent and uh, they haven't had to fight for a very long time and there's a rebellion in a far-off province run by uh this mysterious and enigmatic rebel leader the wife of a, a dead governor called Maya. And uh, she seems to draw support because of some sort of religious or mystical power that she has. And her rebellion challenges the Sultanate of Tumen Bay. So the story deals with this rebellion and, and, uh, you know, and what happens. It's a sort of episodic, multi-character story. And so we have people in the palace. We have, uh, there's a slave trader who's a major character. There's a slave trader's daughter who's coming by ship to Tumen Bay to join her father, uh, gets kidnapped. Yeah, which is which is a, a brave thing to some degree. You know, we, you found, you know, with some of the you know, more elaborate productions, it is it is easier, more accessible if you use a format that people are already familiar with. And, you know, we're seeing now there's um, several stories that are kind of going into fiction, but using a narrative structure very similar to what people have heard with NPR. Whereas, you know, what I know I love and what I love what you've created with Tamambe is is using, uh, you know, just this uh, like a film. Um, but it is it, it expects more of the listener and rewards you for a more intent listening experience. Um, you know that that being said, you know you've you've added a bit of narration to sort of help tie it together. But do you want to talk about those challenges of how you navigate? You know how much do you ask of the listener and how much do you give the listener to kind of keep them uh, make it make it easy to get into the story? Uh, well, firstly, that each of the characters was very very distinctive, so you're never you're never really confused about whose story it is. And secondly, that the storylines themselves were very driven, that each scene had a reversal of some sort, that it, it pushed things forward. There's really very little fat in the story. There's, it never stands still. There's, every single scene, something's moving forward. So I guess that was our strategy, to try and 
pull the audience in. We've put less emphasis, I suppose, on the word and more on on the, the sense of creating this world. And I, I think if someone's not used to listening to radio drama, they need to not kind of worry about having to understand absolutely everything that they hear. It, it, it's about just letting yourself be absorbed into that world. That, that's, that's excellently put. Because uh, I, I think we have, I have heard people like, oh, I, I don't know necessarily what's going on. It's like, no, no, you're, you're, you're going along for a ride. And let's t- let's talk about that. So you obviously, when we work together, you're very much into f- location recording and uh, bringing actors to realistic locations. Is that also how you approach this project? To some extent, but it, because it was a historical drama, it was, and 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 also because it had a huge cast, there was a lot of logistics required. We had to find a lo- a location which we could bring people to, um, and uh, so we found a sort of complex of rooms and exterior spaces where we could do the whole thing we need we needed somewhere that, that where you couldn't hear traffic and stuff like that for instance but we did record it as though it was on location all the action is acted out it's not just people standing in front of microphones the microphones as when we were working together follow the action we block out every scene for reality really and then record it. Yeah, out of curiosity, was that in the UK or in, in Egypt or where was the actual location? Yeah, it was actually, the location was in the UK. Just because I'm a, a recording nerd, but how do you not have the 21st century in it if you're doing exteriors? Uh, do you just go really far out into the country? Is there enough country in, in the UK to do that? Yeah, there is. But you have a logistical problem because when you have a big cast like this, because you you might need one actor, you know, only to be in one scene and you don't really want to take them way out of London basically where they're based just to do that because it, it just becomes expensive and difficult and you can't get people um, so we did the whole production in London and we found a studio complex in North London uh, which had a lot of space that we could use and we were able to create the sand pits and all that kind of stuff to uh, to, to fake the outsides, basically. Well, we, yeah, we can certainly talk about more about that because I think that's kind of the evolution I've found in, in location recording is that having uh, uh, logistically, it's it's nice to have a home base. But uh, any, anyways, uh, so were there any other things in terms of, I mean, you've obviously done so many other projects uh, in terms of the, the way the project came together or in post-production, that you learned quite a lot different working on a serial versus on your other works to date? Yeah, well, you know, on a sort of technical front, it was, it was technically a complicated production because there was so much material. So we had several editors and we had to come up with a way of being able to edit where we weren't all going to be in the same place at the same time. We did have a, a couple of the editors there when we were recording it and it was a you know, three or four week record. But once that was over, we basically had people working either in their home or in their offices and somehow needed to work together. And so we did set up, which I think is quite a brilliant system. It's, it's all done on Dropbox. We've, we've set up all the sessions on Dropbox with all the audio there, with all the different computers in different parts of the country uh, linked into that and synced to that. And the only thing you need to make sure is that you don't have more than one person working on the same session at the same time, having like the same session open twice. 
And so we just found a kind of color coding system where we'd turn it red if we were working on it. Um, and it has worked brilliantly. And when you're dealing with 10 episodes, you really do need a sort of production line to be a very efficient system. And this has been amazing. You know, even three years ago, we would be having to send, physically send hard disks, hard drives around the country to different editors to, you know, with all the material on because it was just too much to put online. Yeah, and that's interesting. And we did something very similar in our project uh, with Dropbox. We actually had folks uh, like our sound editor, uh, no, our sound designer was in the uh, Dubai. Uh, we and we had three different locations in the United States and and Dubai all connected via Dropbox. It really is uh, quite remarkable. And as long as everybody's Pro Tools sessions opens on each of our <laughs> computers, we, we found very few missing files and things because everything is goes to one audio folder on Dropbox and. Well, and how about uh, you know the 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 score is also quite magnificent. Did that? How was that all original music? Yeah, Sasha Putnam, who um, I've worked with for years. You know, he he's done a lot for me. He he did Seven Threads. In fact, he did a, a fine balance when we did that recently. Um, he, he's a fantastic composer. You know, what can I say? He. He came up with the music. It wasn't scored. He came up with a number of themes, and we sort of worked mm. it into the drama, um, which is how I like to work. But, it, yeah, it works pretty well, doesn't it? It, it does. It does. And you can tell, uh, you know, you just can't find music like music that's made for you. It, it, that's what makes it, you know, not a remarkable piece of audio and not just another piece of something that's intended to be consumed once and, and thrown away, but gives it sort of lasting appeal. Well, excellent. Well, you know, John, the, we could keep going on and on, but I think we've, you know, this is just so, such a remarkable project, um, really uh, just, you know, totally gripping from the first kind of uh, se- sequence uh, of events. Uh, I've not heard the second episode yet, but I I can now. Now I see it's out, out, so I'm really excited about it. That is how we sort of designed it, really. We wanted it to be one of those things where you just wanted to keep listening from scene to scene. So I guess we're just hoping that, it will sort of build over the weeks. That's the that's the aim. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll hopefully hear. Um, I mean, we have plenty of UK listeners to this show, but we also we are mainly US based. So I hope that among the US listeners who are always interested in what the BBC is doing, but uh, wanting it to be more accessible to them, this is a great way to do that, and and such a fantastic piece of work. Um, I'm glad that you're the one who's in a position to be doing that because it's uh, you know. Just a, just a, I think a real, we're entering a real golden age for audio right now, and I'm, I'm excited to see the BBC kind of tr- uh, throwing out some of their practices that, you know, and, and actually really embracing digital in, in this big way. So I'm, I'm really excited. Great, thanks. Yeah, I, we're really excited about this. It's fun. Thanks. So, so it's uh, obviously you can look for the BBC for Tumambe, T-U-M-A-N-B-A-Y. Uh, John, your website is goldhawk.eu. And do you have like some behind the scenes stuff or other fun goodies on that website for people who are interested in learning more about the show? I do, yeah, yeah. And there's more coming out as the series um, runs as well. Yeah, and, and also some notes and you know material from your previous shows. So um so check it out and of course uh, the show notes at radiodramarevival.com will have a lot of material as well um john thanks so much for coming on thanks Fred. and that was john dryden at goldhawk productions goldhawk.eu don't miss that website all kinds of info on his previous productions behind the scenes photos and more 
there. Uh, in the meantime, check out radiodramarevival.com, over 350 hours of original audio drama programming. Uh, we also have an app. Search for Radio Drama Revival on the iTunes App Store or Google Play Market. Uh, you can find the latest in audio drama news by following us on Twitter, at Radio Drama, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodramarevival. Um, of course, find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Again, just look for Radio Drama Revival. Please uh, leave a review, tell a friend, uh, donate at radiodramarevival.com. Help keep this service going um free content here for you on a more or less bi-weekly basis um though we will be changing up the format in a pretty profound way in the new year but we'll we'll wait to tell you later um so that's a wrap for this week radio drum revival produced by yours truly fred greenhall submissions editor monique boudreau of oral stage studios copyright of individual shows remains their original producers but please do share the show as far and widely as you like radio drum revival is a production of radio drama revival llc this podcast at radiodramarevival.com is a labor of love Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.